Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Deep in the swampy bayous of Louisiana sits the notoriously haunted Myrtle's Plantation. Guests have reported countless paranormal sightings over the years, but some of the legends don't align with the historical facts. Find out which are legend and which may in fact be true hauntings on this episode of Hometown Ghost Stories. The Myrtle's Bed and Breakfast, 1975. Barbara and her mother checked into their room in the bed and breakfast they had booked for that evening. The nearly 200-year-old building was beautiful in its grandeur, and Barbara admired all the detailed craftsmanship that the house had to offer. Despite her admiration for the house and all its beauty, Barbara couldn't help but feel uneasy. She couldn't explain the feeling, but couldn't deny it either. It was palpable, and it had her on edge. She didn't want to mention it to her mother, because that would start the questions. Her mother could be a bit neurotic, and Barbara didn't think that that would help, so she tried her best to just ignore it. The room wasn't necessarily large, but not small either. It felt bigger than it was, probably due to the tall ceiling. There was only one bed. Barbara checked the reservation, and it didn't specify how many beds were in the room, and she silently cursed herself for the oversight. Not a big deal. They could share the bed. And that's what they did. It was late by the time they checked in, and they had a big day of looking at colleges the next day, so they decided to call it a night. Barbara's mother fell asleep immediately. She could tell by the snoring, but Barbara lie awake, unable to shake that uneasy feeling. What she found to be indescribable earlier had transmuted into a feeling of being watched. She scanned the room, but of course found nobody watching her, so she closed her eyes and tried to fall asleep. Only a few minutes had gone by when she felt the mattress compress at the foot of the bed, as if someone or something had sat down on it. She knew there was nobody in the room with them, so she kept her eyes squeezed shut as the inexplicable weight at the end of the bed moved its way up in between Barbara and her mother. Barbara dared to look. She opened her eyes and saw that there was nothing in bed between them. She let out a breath that she didn't realize she was holding in. Just then, the whole bed started violently shaking side to side. It was as if a team of people were playing tug-of-war with the bed while they lay in it. Barbara screamed. Her mother woke up and screamed as well. Before she could ask what was going on, the shaking stopped, and the two women sat there in silence, unsure of what they had just witnessed. Barbara couldn't explain it, but she knew for certain that she wouldn't be sleeping that night. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Haunted Plantations of the Bayou. St. Francisville is right next to Louisiana's state capital, Baton Rouge. Francisville began as a part of Spanish West Florida in the early 1800s. The first settlers were adventurous Anglos who rebelled against Spain, established a short-lived independent republic, stopped the Civil War to bury a Union officer, 
and planted vast acres of indigo, cotton, and cane. Due to the vast acres of farmland, St. Francisville was home to several plantations, and some of those plantations are considered to be haunted by the ghosts of the people who died there over the years. One of the more famous plantations in St. Francisville is the Rosedown Plantation, an 8,000 square foot historic home built by Daniel and Martha Turnbull in 1835. From its expansive gardens to its alluring alley of live oaks, it's no wonder that one of its former residents is reluctant to leave. The Turnbulls had three children, William B., Sarah, and James Daniel. James, the youngest child, born on August 2nd, 1836, died in 1843 at the age of seven after contracting yellow fever. The oldest of the Turnbull children, William, grew up and married Caroline Butler, the great-granddaughter of Martha Washington, in 1853. Unfortunately, the marriage only lasted three years when William passed away in 1856 at the age of 27 when his skiff capsized after colliding with the steamship Belladonna. Sarah was the luckiest of the children. She lived long enough to inherit Rosedown. The plantation stayed with the family until 1956. Eventually, the old cotton plantation was adopted into Louisiana State Park System, who have since restored the grounds to their former grandeur. Although the family no longer owns the property, it would seem as if some of them never left. Polly, the curator of the Rosedown, was locking up one night before leaving. She went through the house, room by room, shutting off each light, making sure each exterior door was locked. After the last light was shut off and the front door locked, she walked down the front driveway to where her car was parked. She enjoyed this walk. She loved how the branches of the oaks that lined each side of the driveway intertwined overhead, creating a natural tunnel. As she reached her car, she reached into her purse and realized her car keys weren't there. She must have left them at the house. She turned around to walk back down the driveway and to her shock, saw the house completely lit up. Every window had a light on, despite her having gone room to room to shut them all off. Hesitantly, Polly headed back down the driveway toward the house, considering the possibility of an intruder. She unlocked the front door and pushed it open. She called out to see if anyone happened to be inside, and as she waited for an answer, she noticed all the furniture in the room had been rearranged. Other staff members have reported similar occurrences, and although there is no definitive answer as to whom the spirit belongs, it's believed that it's that of William Turnbull due to his untimely demise, and he may be rearranging the furniture to the way it was when he lived there. Not far down the road from the Rosedown Plantation sits the Myrtles Plantation. Myrtles Plantation is an historic home and former antebellum plantation that was built in 1796 by General David Bradford and was originally named Laurel Grove. According to legend, the home was built on Tunica Indian burial ground. It's unknown whether or not General Bradford was aware of this when he built the home, or if he just didn't care. General Bradford spent the first three years after the house was built living alone. At the time, the area now known as the state of Louisiana was French territory, separate from the United States. General Bradford fled there to hide from the American government after leading a rebel army into Pennsylvania to challenge George Washington's army in an act of rebellion against Alexander Hamilton's proposed whiskey tax. 
The Whiskey Rebellion was unsuccessful, and General David Bradford retreated to St. Francisville, where he built a home and earned his nickname, Whiskey Dave. After three years of hiding out away from his family, newly elected President John Adams pardoned Whiskey Dave for his role in the rebellion, and he moved his wife Elizabeth and their five children to the plantation from Pennsylvania. The family lived there for nearly a decade until General Bradford's death in 1808. His widow, Elizabeth, then ran the plantation herself until 1817, when she handed the reins over to one of her late husband's former law students, a man named Clark Woodruff, who was married to her daughter, Sarah Matilda. The couple had three children. On paper, Sarah and two of the Woodruff's three children died from yellow fever in the mid-1820s, but the legend of the plantation tells a different tale. Being an antebellum plantation in the Deep South, the Woodruffs had several slaves, one of which was a young woman named Chloe. Chloe was one of the houseworkers, which was preferable to being a field worker in most cases. However, this might not have been the case for Chloe because it left her vulnerable to Clark Woodruff's cruelty. In order to maintain her status as a houseworker, she was forced to be Clark's mistress. Chloe tried to protect herself from abuse by listening into the Woodruff's conversations and modifying her behavior accordingly. According to one version of the legend, Clark's wife Sarah found out about the affair and the eavesdropping and ordered Chloe's ears to be sliced off as punishment, forcing her to carry the shame and disfigurement the rest of her life. Her mutilation was hidden at the request of the Woodruffs by the use of a green turban. Nobody would see the terrifying marks but the painful experience would haunt Chloe and inspire her next move. Naturally, Chloe was resentful towards Sarah for the unjust punishment and decided to exact her revenge. On the ninth birthday of the Woodruff's daughter, Chloe placed poisonous oleander leaves into the birthday cake and left the cake out for the family to eat. The plan didn't quite work the way Chloe had hoped, however. Only Sarah and her two daughters ate the cake. They died, but Clark and his one remaining child, who hadn't eaten any of the cake, remained alive. Clark was obviously furious and began investigating. The other slaves on the plantation feared what might happen to them and decided to take matters into their own hands. They knew Chloe was responsible for the murders, so they hanged her by the neck and then threw her body in the Mississippi River. The house is now believed to be haunted by not only the ghost of Chloe, but also the ghost of the children she poisoned. In the Grandview hallway, there's an antique mirror just outside the dining room. It's been reported that Sarah and her murdered children would appear in the mirror near the room where they were poisoned. Claims vary from seeing the three figures crying or just staring out from inside the mirror. There's also a phantom handprint that appears on the glass. One researcher noted that each time the mirror is replaced or resilvered, the same handprint reappears as if they refuse to be ignored. Paranormal activity in the house became exponentially more noticeable in the 1970s when the Myers family purchased the house. Multiple guests and residents reported seeing the transparent and ghostly apparitions of a young girl wearing a green turban moving throughout the property. This is believed to be the ghost of Chloe. After the house was converted into a bed and breakfast, guests began reporting strange occurrences. People would claim to be woken up in the middle of the night by a woman in a turban holding a candle who once seen would then disappear into thin air. Other guests would note that they would go to sleep without any covers due to the heat, but would then wake up sweating due to having been covered and tucked in. 
1992, the Myers family were attempting to secure an insurance policy on the property and had to submit pictures of the house. The owner didn't notice anything wrong with the photo, but the insurance appraiser sent the photo back and pointed out a strange transparent figure standing on the front porch against the side of the house. The figure appeared to be wearing a green turban. The photo was analyzed by professionals, and it was determined that the image had not been tampered with and appeared to be authentic. When Elizabeth Bradford died in 1831, Clark Woodruff and his surviving child moved to Covington, Louisiana, leaving the property in the care of a caretaker until 1834 when he sold the plantation, its land, and its slaves to Rufin Gray Sterling and his wife Mary Cobb. It was this family that changed the name of the plantation to Myrtles, after the crepe myrtles that grew in the area. The Sterlings remodeled the house entirely, nearly doubling its size. Rufin Sterling died of tuberculosis in 1854 and left the plantation to his wife. In 1865, Mary hired her son-in-law, William Drew Winter, to help manage the plantation. He was the husband of Mary's daughter, Sarah. The couple had six children, one of whom, Kate Winter, contracted yellow fever at the age of three. The family tried everything to save her, including the hiring of a voodoo priestess named Cleo, who moved in and tried extensively to cure the girl using magic and spells. Her efforts were unsuccessful, however, and Kate died in her bed. William Winter was furious and blamed Cleo for his daughter's death. In a fit of grief and rage, he ordered Cleo to be hanged and buried on the property. The Myrtles' plantation survived the Civil War, although it was robbed of its furnishings and expensive accessories by Union soldiers. During one of the raids, there was a shootout where three Union soldiers were killed in the parlor, although there is no official record of this. The Sterlings faced further difficulties after the war, having converted their entire fortune into Confederate currency and were subsequently forced to sell the plantation in 1868. Two years later, William and Sarah Winter were able to buy the plantation back, but they were only there one year before tragedy struck again. According to a January 1871 newspaper, Winter was teaching a Sunday school lesson in the gentleman's parlor of the house when he heard somebody approach the house on horseback. After the stranger called out to him, saying that he had some sort of business with him, Winter went out onto the side gallery of the house and was shot. He collapsed onto the porch and proceeded to drag himself up the stairs, but only made it to the 17th step before dying in his wife's arms. Winter died on January 26, 1871, and was buried the following day in the cemetery at Grace Church. The newspaper reported that a man named E.S. Weber was to stand trial for Winter's murder, but no outcome of the case was ever recorded. As far as it's known, Winter's killer still remains unidentified and unpunished. Today, the house is believed to be haunted by the ghosts of several members of the Sterling and Winter family. The bed where Kate Winter died from yellow fever is still in the home to this day. Witnesses claim that the bed will violently shake at random, leaving deep gouges in the floor. Many also claim to have seen the ghostly apparition of a young girl in a white gown. Guests also claim to have heard phantom gunshots in the house and witnessed disembodied footsteps stomping up the staircase and stopping on the 17th step where William Winter died back in 1871. Caretakers to the house have claimed that a phantom bloodstain in the floor will appear in the area where the Union soldiers were gunned down. 
Despite cleaning it again and again, the stain will mysteriously reappear. The house is also full of child spirits, who are believed to be the spirits of the many children who have died in the house over the years, and their spirits are suspected of interacting with the many dolls that are in the house. People claim to hear disembodied screams and feel little hands tugging at their hair and arms. Some guests of the bed and breakfast have claimed that they woke up and found the dolls in the bed with them. A number of guests have claimed to see the apparition of a young girl with curly hair floating outside the window of the game room, seemingly trying to peer in through the panes of glass. Other guests have heard the piano in the parlor hammering the same chord over and over and over until they enter the empty room when it abruptly stops. Many of the legends of the Myrtle Plantation are contested by critics, and some more so than others. But given the amount of death and negative energy the house has seen over the years, it's no surprise that the Myrtle Plantation is largely considered by many to be the most haunted house in the country. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories. We're talking about the Myrtles Plantation, Louisiana today, St. Francisville. I'm Jesse Wilkins. Rob Coakley makes his great return today. Welcome back, Rob. So when Dave is on his deathbed, just gasping for the last breath, slowly, slowly dying out, I'm going to make sure that I have a wall of mirrors surrounding his deathbed. And then I'm going to walk out and not cover them. Do you think they threw away the yellow fever mattress? I hope so. Hopefully they at least flipped it. When Dave is on his deathbed on the <laughs> yellow fever mattress. <laughs> this um, is all well, predicated on the the fact that you're going to outlive me, which I don't I don't see it happening. Well, well you are whiskey Dave and if whiskey Dave continues with his whiskey trends, I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> a lot of water. He hydrates more than all of us, that's for sure. But we are joined by Whiskey Dave. Welcome. Welcome in, Dave. Thank you. Nice job on this episode. This is a this is a big location, the Myrtles Plantation. If uh, folks have heard about this place before, that doesn't surprise me. It's been covered on a lot of the ghost shows, and it is considered the most haunted house in the United States. (laughs) Go figure, right? Um, I was looking for places to cover and I was just going through, this one's actually been on my back burner for a while. So I started digging back into it. And like one of the first things I read about this was that it was like, it began with the whiskey revolution there. And there was a guy named Whiskey Dave who started the whole thing. I was like, all right, I'm in. Like this is, (laughs) there's no chance that uh, I can't cover Whiskey Dave. That was hilarious because I I was listening to some podcasts on it today. And they're talking about the general and he had a nickname of Whiskey Dave. I was like, oh, we have one of those. (laughs) Yeah, we we do have one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Love that. So uh, we actually haven't covered Louisiana yet, which seems like a pretty, it seems weird because we've covered a lot of the the bigger states. And this, what you'd think was one of them because you got New Orleans, you got this Myrtle's Plantation, which is such a 
popular, famous or infamous rather location. And, and there's Baton Rouge, which is a huge city. So, um, I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's cover Louisiana. We haven't done it. It's about time to go there. And I think we've kind of been backburnering the whole state because we really want to do that New Orleans big episode, but we want to go there to be yeah. able to do it. So that's the only reason we've stayed away from it. And, and I was watching some videos today and they were like, if you're in New Orleans, take a day trip and go see the Myrtle's plantation. Have we looked at a map? Uh, Rob, you're, you're from the area. Do you know how far St. Francisville is from New yeah, Orleans? Like that, just everyone that lives down South knows that knows that map trajection it's, exactly how far it is why did you bother living there if you can't come back nobody with knows for us that's why you i didn't because i couldn't didn't live in louisiana <laughs> lived in mississippi but enough. uh louise yeah it's probably i don't know the exact distance but i was looking at a map i included a picture of a map of louisiana in that video there i know it's like adjacent it's like right next to baton rouge and then new orleans is it looks like about two inches south so depending on the size of the map you're looking at. Thanks, man. <laughs> it's only two inches away depends from New Orleans. You heard it here. Depends on, <laughs> depends on how many inches per hour you can drive in your car. <laughs> Matthew Thomas coming through with a $20 donation in a super chat. He says that Rob's new catchphrase is, I'm rich, bitch. So, I like that. And Rob, you're going to have to start off. You. So I'll no longer enter the show. You just, you just come in and say that. Yes. Until next week when you spend all your money. That's true. When I gamble, I already told you I put it all on black on the way out the casino. <laughs> it's gone. That's the way to do it. Yeah, but we can talk. We can talk about it. the World Series at the end of the show. We can. But what That's I will good. say is, before you blow all your money, don't forget to pay the government because the government is going to want their fair share, just like they did as soon as the Revolutionary War was won. And after fighting this war with Great Britain over a stamp tax and tax mm -hmm. on tea. The second they win, they turn around and say, all right, now we're going to tax all the whiskey so that we can pay for this war, pay back France, pay back all of the investors who wanted us to win this war. And basically, this was the beginning of the Confederacy. Yeah, they, they were ready for round two of the Civil War. <laughs> they were well, round one of the Civil War. <laughs> they were ready. Well, Revolutionary War. Then, so, yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this... It's, it's funny, like they, 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 they win the revolution and then there's already an insurrection and they're already ready to be like, we're seceding. <laughs> it's been 20 minutes. <laughs> well, you, you tax their tea and they get pissed off. You tax the whiskey. That's a whole different level. Whiskey Dave's not happy about that. I know. Whiskey Dave wouldn't stand for it. And he didn't stand for it. He led a rebel army against George Washington. And this rebellion lasted two months, three months, not. And then two people died. Two people died. Months. Two people died. That's that's impressive because I think the group of troops that George Washington responded with was between five to seven thousand. So, for only two people to die in that uh, little standoff, that's interesting. Yeah. So uh, it was not the most effective rebellion. And Rob, you are correct. It actually was four months. I don't know if you were guessing or if you just knew that fact. But uh, this was not a superly superly. That's a word, right? A super uh, effective rebellion. Two people died, which isn't a lot which makes it wow. two times more deadly than the Bolshevik revolution <laughs> with the USSR. So that's fun fact, but uh, not, we're not whiskey. Dave that. has no compassion. Whiskey. Dave has a whole different definition of fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of fun. I mean, I thought it was, I think it's pretty interesting, but what, what happened with poor whiskey Dave is he took his, his uh, army of rebel troops and he marched against George Washington and George Washington said, get out of here. And that's basically what happened. And then, George Washington actually ordered his ordered him to die 
So he went into hiding in what is now Louisiana. At, at the time, it was like Eastern Florida. It wasn't part of the United States. So he basically fled the country and he hid there by himself for a number of years without his family. His family stayed in Pennsylvania. And then John Adams got elected and was like, you know what, we'll cut Whiskey Dave some slack and pardoned him. And that's when the family moved down. And he was, the son, he was, he was in his cave with all his whiskey. He was having a great time. <laughs> it was my Whiskey I, Dave was, cave. <laughs> I think I think all Whiskey Daves that have come after him have also fled their families and moved to Florida on their own. I wish. I mean, <laughs> I don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I don't sure want to sleep. Pretty sure your wife is in chat. <laughs> She's in chat. Yeah. She's hiding all the whiskey like right now. She's like, no more Whiskey Dave here. <laughs> got bills to pay. But, um, Whiskey Dave's son is actually the guy who ran the Myrtle's Plantation, which wasn't called the Myrtle's Plantation until later, but that's beside the fact. And he was the one who was a very bad guy. Now, all the plantation owners back at this time were slave owners. I shouldn't say all. I have no idea. I assume all of them, at least most of them. I don't think they get the benefit of the doubt. They're all slave owners. And this one was a particularly bad slave owner because of the details that we get surrounding how he treated his slaves. And he had one young slave girl working for him named Chloe. Chloe. Yeah, Chloe. this is it's confusing because later there's a Cleo and it's, yep. it gets, I, 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 it's very confusing. But this one was Chloe and Chloe. Now, this is the legend, by the way. So disclaimer, there is a lot of um, there's a lot of doubt about this story that it even exists and that Chloe even exists. And it's believed that this that this person was invented after the fact in the 1950s when they when the owners a different group of owners bought the place and started telling ghost stories retrospectively and they 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 believe that it that they invented this Chloe person to fit a theory that had been floating around that the place was haunted by a ghost with a green turban so they feel like they 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 like backwrote that whole story and it's actually backed up by a little bit of history because the history says that the Woodruff's two children and Sarah Woodruff, the mother, died of yellow fever on two separate years. So that does not fit the narrative that they were poisoned by this slave trying to get revenge. Is it possible that they didn't die of yellow fever and they were poisoned and they, for whatever reason, swept the true story under the rug and, and created this yellow fever story oh, that's, a, that's a possibility see when i heard about the yellow fever thing i was like okay so that story is complete nonsense i mean there, i mean this guy was verifiably a piece of shit i mean you own slaves then you're already a piece of shit I, I, all of the stories point to him being wildly abusive and um slick back hair sloppy slick steaks. back hair sloppy steaks white bathing suit definitely a yeah. piece of shit um but you know he's sexually abusing the the uh, the slaves and everything like, like it's just everything points to him being a bad guy. So I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibilities that these things happened and then she went for revenge. And this this absolutely could have happened. The yellow fever thing is interesting because as soon as like I said, as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, this story is not real. But that that is interesting. Maybe it wasn't yellow fever. Maybe she did actually poison them. But so here's how it actually um, they think it might have gone down. So in the 1950s, the Myrtles was owned by wealthy widow Marjorie Munson, who heard some stories. Um, that had gotten started about odd things happening in the house. So she wondered if the old mansion might be haunted. She asked around town, and that's when the legend of Chloe got its start. So according to the granddaughter of Harrison and Fanny Williams, Lucille Lawson, her aunts used to talk about 
the ghost of an old, I'm like name dropping these people. Like you guys are like, oh yeah, them. <laughs> but uh, they said they saw an old woman who wore a green bonnet that haunted the plantation. So that's where they think that the backstory might've came, that they got might've got invented. And the inconsistency was that Chloe was a young slave. I was going to say, yeah, she, and she got killed in the story right after she poisoned, allegedly poisoned the, um, the, what was it? The mother and the two daughters or two kids. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, so, the story was they, the, the other slaves got kind of panicked and they didn't want to get blamed for it. So they lynched her and threw her in the river. So it wouldn't add up that there would be an old lady ghost. But then you could say, well, maybe it wasn't an old lady ghost. And maybe the person who saw it just assumed it was an old lady. Who knows? We don't we also, make the rules. We also don't make the rules. What if your ghost continues to age and True. you died, but then you come back as an old lady ghost? I mean, we have people coming back as child ghosts, right? Why not come this back as an old lady? This yeah. is true. Yeah. Also, people looked a lot older than they were back in the day, too. Oh so true. Yeah. Have you watched football like videos from like 20 years ago? Yeah. Like even like high school pictures from the 70s, everyone looks 55 years old. You're like, you look yeah. not like a 17 year old. <laughs> Somebody posted like in one of the local town groups, the Bridgewater class of like 1955 or something. And I'm like, these people are all 80 years old already in these photos. Like what is going on? Yeah, they're well, 50. They're bouncing their 10-year-old kid on their knee. <laughs> yes. Well, clothing styles evolve over time, right? So you kind of, people, they don't, they don't dress like their parents, but we, like every generation has their own different style of clothing. So we look at a generation, like our grandfather's generation, and when they're all in high school, they all just dress like our grandparents. And so we look at them like, oh, they look like they're 80, but that's just because we know how our grandparents no, dress. Arn Anderson has looked like he's been 80 years old since he was 20. So... It's it's the thing for older people. I think we've had this exact conversation before. We may have. I feel like I was having deja vu there. Mm. Has Morgan Freeman ever been young? <laughs> <laughs> Is there any evidence of this whatsoever? I don't think so. Probably not. Donnie, so, says, Donnie says Andy Reid looked like he was 35 in middle school. Yeah, I the pump that. pass and kick yeah. competition. Have you ever seen that? It is no. ridiculous. Look that up after the show. I will. Did he... Did he have a mustache in middle school? Yes. He must have, right? <laughs> of course like he did. Of I course he did. <laughs> I would assume so. So uh, that one, I think, in my opinion, I believe that, that is not a legitimate ghost story. I think the Chloe thing is made up. And there might be a ghost that wears a turban there. And who knows who that actually is. But I don't believe it's Chloe. I think that, that picture I think definitely looked like a ghost. It didn't just look like a picture where someone unknowingly was standing there. So for audio listeners, uh, you can check out our YouTube video or Google the photo. We prefer that you actually just watch it on YouTube because then you get to see Dave's cool video, which came out really good. But yes. that photo, that photo looked authentic. The fact that it was analyzed by experts obviously adds to the authenticity of it. And I think that was a pretty cool one because it looked kind of transparent in the photo. You can kind of see through it, I think. Yeah, you can see the lines and the siding through it, and it does look like a person. It could have just been a shadow of something, but I don't know what. It, it just looks a lot like a, a pretty small person, too, like a small in frame, and just like it could be like the ghost of a kid or something, but it definitely is transparent if, if it's not a shadow. And it's just a really creepy picture. It's one of the more famous haunting pictures. It's right up there with the Amityville demon child picture, mm -hmm. and it's because that it, it can't be debunked. And it was and it was actually studied, so it, it is interesting. And the story that it, that um, where the picture came from is kind of interesting too. How the family was just taken; they just bought the place, and they were taking pictures for insurance. 
and then they sent the picture to the insurance company and the insurance company was like what the fuck is that <laughs> and sent it back and uh that's when they were like oh my god there's there's a, there's a ghost in this picture so i thought that was pretty cool pretty creepy that kind of happens though like because that's exactly how the skull in the fireplace for me happened i took the photo i posted it somebody else pointed it out at first and then once you see it you don't unsee it so it, exactly. it makes it have a little bit more of a authentic feeling because the people who took the photo weren't the first people to see it exactly and it makes it more believable when it's not somebody taking a picture of the house because it's haunted they were taking right. photos for other reasons same with you taking a picture of the fire like we talked about if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about I believe we we must have discussed it in episode one. Yep. Rob took a picture of his fireplace in the haunted house that he used to live in. And then there's a very, very clear and terrifying image of what looks like a skull. And it looks like it's screaming, like something demonic. And so yep. it's a, it is a horrifying picture. But um, yeah, once, once you see it, you can't unsee it. But again, it's just because this was not somebody that was looking to take a picture on a ghost tour or something. It was something completely different. Right. The The plantations in general are very creepy because we have so much history that happened at these places, like negative history that wasn't recorded, which wasn't documented to people that their, their family trees were just destroyed. Basically like they don't know their, their entire family ancestry and just terrible, terrible things happen to these people. There's no documents and we might be seeing ghosts of people that will never know who they are because of that. So, it, it's within our country, at least plantations offer that terrible, like horrifying, unique twist where really shitty things happen to a lot of people. We'll never know the full story and we might be seeing some of their ghosts. And unfortunately, we'll never be able to communicate with them properly without knowing who or what they went through. That is the ghost photo there for audio listeners. Do tune in and check it out. It is it is a very good one. Yes, that doesn't look like a shadow to me. Yeah, it really doesn't. It's got the shoulder. It's got the head. It almost you can looks see like the details. It's, yeah, it's pretty. Oh, you and almost this see is like a, a shadow underneath the chin, basically. Oh man, and when you zoom back out, it really does look like the, the figure of a person. Hometown mm -hmm. motion sickness stories. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well done. So before we dive into like the the hauntings and all the ghost stories, there, let's go back to the other plantation, or were we on the other plantation? No, the Rose Down Plantation was the first one I, when I found, well, it wasn't the first one I found, but it was the first one that I talked about because it is one that is right down the street. It's another plantation. It's also haunted, not as violently haunted, and the history is not as brutal. And there aren't as many ghosts. They only believe there's one spirit here, but they believe it is the spirit of William Turnbull, who was one of the sons of the family who built the house on the plantation. And he was killed in a steamboat ac accident. And they believe that his ghost is responsible for rearranging all the furniture and turning lights on and off. So it's weird, right? The uh, the caretaker, and this was like a pretty, like a present day story. Well, the, the one I told in the beginning was in the seventies, but it still goes on to this day. Uh, these these hauntings, the caretaker, who's the current caretaker talks about how she'll go and she'll find all the lights on after she went through each room and systematically shut off every single light. They all come back on. And then the even weirder part is she'll come in and she will have, she'll find all of the furniture relocated. So sounds like a poltergeist, not a residual haunt. It and does. It sounds like yeah. an intelligent haunt. Anytime it's moving furniture, that's a different level of concerning. It's always lights going on. Wouldn't it be like way more terrifying if the lights would just go off? 
we'll just, think about it, right? If you're if you're in the house, right? And just I agree. the lights turn off. Oh man, that'd be terrifying. I mean, lights going on is scary too. Yeah. Well, think about it, right? If it's an intelligent haunt and a polter poltergeist needs to draw energy to move the furniture back to the way they like it, then what better way to draw energy than to turn on all the lights? That's a good point. So maybe that is just a super intelligent haunt. Mm, like scientist level intelligent ghost. <laughs> He's got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. Meg asks, why is Dave the only one with a nickname? Did he give it to himself? Actually, don't know if you gave that to yourself, but there was a character in the opening story that was named Whiskey Dave. So, of course, uh, Dave is going to be Whiskey Dave on this show. Yes, I believe Rob gave me the nickname, but I knew what I was doing when I covered Whiskey Dave. <laughs> we were all about it. <laughs> I was actually, I was crossing my fingers, hoping that you wouldn't even mention Whiskey. I hope you didn't even hear about Whiskey Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry, because obviously you did your research. Sorry to disappoint. But we've had back too to many nights out with Whiskey Dave. <laughs> I've been assaulted by Whiskey Dave. So as have I. I have also been assaulted by <laughs> Whiskey Dave. We've all been victims of Whiskey Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Just settle down. <laughs> None of this is true. But uh, we got back to the Myrtle Plantation because that was the actual. Whiskey Dave almost ran over every child at a campground once. I don't think that happened. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. All right. Whiskey Dave jokes are over. Moving on. I'm sorry. Back to the Myrtle Plantations. That was the only haunting at the Rose Down Plantation. And at least that we know of. They assume it's all one ghost. But that's the current story. And I am not qualified to change the story because I've never been there. You're also but, not qualified to go to the zoo because Whiskey Dave has also been banned from the local zoo. I don't true. know if anybody knows this. Yeah. I'm That's sorry, not true either. <laughs> <laughs> They're starting rumors. <laughs> um, Tell that to the penguins, Dave. Tell that to the penguins. <laughs> so They're still drunk. You guys want to take over? This <laughs> <laughs> it's only time for Whiskey Dave takes over anyways. Go on. Uh, so after the Woodruffs moved out, so basically 1831, Clark Woodruff and his surviving child moved to Covington. They packed up and left. They left the property in charge of a, um, with a caretaker for a couple of years, but then they sold the plantation and the slaves over to a guy named Rufin Gray Sterling and his wife, Mary Cobb. Rufin? So, Rufin. Or it could be Ruffin, R-U-F-F-I-N. I think it's actually pronounced Ruffin. Ruffin. Mm. Could be. Interesting. I've never, never heard, heard that name. I've never heard any of that. I wonder if it's a nickname. I don't know. It's short a, for, a short for Ruffinopolis. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Gotta be. But this was actually the family that changed the plantation name to the Myrtles Plantation. They, There were these crepe myrtles that grow in the area. And uh, don't ask me what it is. I know it's some kind of plant that uh, grows, I think, like a bush. I don't know. But... Um, they named it after that plant because they liked the plant. So that's how it got the name Myrtle's Plantation. But after they, so they, this, this family renovated the place. They made it way bigger. And then as soon as they were done renovating it, Ruffin died of tuberculosis and left the plantation to his wife, who turned it into a business. And she did a really good job with it for the years that they were there. She ended yeah, up hiring. Like, she like doubled the size of this building. Like it, they, they added a whole south wing to it and... Um, a gentleman's parlor, the ladies' parlor. Like they, they added that they literally doubled the size of the place. It's uh, it's crazy what they did. Yeah, and that's how it's now able to be used as a bed and breakfast and and whatnot. Where it was a relatively small building. Yeah, they had like nine kids when they moved there, and I think there was eight rooms in the entire house at the time. So they mm -hmm. built it up to like twenty seven or twenty eight rooms or whatever it is now. Yeah, which is crazy. 
That's mm. a massive, a massive addition. So this family was great with their money. She was really good at her business dealings, except that they, I don't know if, if they chose to convert all of their fortune into Confederate currency, or if they just had to, because that's where they lived geographically and there wasn't any other option. The way I but, read it was that they were banking on the Confederates and they converted all of their money into Confederate money. Yeah, that's. I think that's the way it was because it said when I was reading about it, it said they invested in the Confederate currency, which is, I mean, you put all your chips in one basket, not a good idea, most of the time. So Confederates lose the war and they lose their fortune. When you when all of your money was Confederate money, there wasn't like after the war there wasn't any like converting it over. Like, well, you know, I got this. Can we just go to the bank and switch this over to? union money or just America money or whatever. And they were like, no, this is not money any longer. So care, care to share what you're <laughs> laughing at. <laughs> I just, I just can't get over Jesse, just interrupting you every sentence that you, I saw Dave panic because something went on behind him. So I was like, let me jump. I in actually here. very much appreciate you jumping in there. Yeah, My cat okay. is just scratching at the door behind me. Rob is just sitting here laughing at you. Just I'm like just... we laughed at you when you came home from the museum with the Tyrannosaurus Rex head because Whiskey Dave went on a little <laughs> rampage at the museum, didn't he? Yep, that one's actually true. No, it's not true. That's ridiculous. I would be in prison. So they lose all of their money to the Confederacy and they end up having to sell the house, but then they buy it back two years later. I don't know how they're able to do that. You got to assume that they were like good, fine, you know, they, they were good business people, obviously. They had the money to basically completely redo this entire house. So they probably had a successful business. What, what do you know what they did for work? They had a plantation. <laughs> <laughs> it's all starting to add up here. So they, <laughs> what, what, what year was this? Uh, this was post civil war at this point, cause they lost their money because of the, they lost the war. So I don't know how they recouped all their, their money, but basically probably with the plantation, Dave, you idiot. Well, they sold the plantation and then bought it back. All right. I guess, it, I guess that makes sense. No, it doesn't. Literally nothing that we just said made any sense. <laughs> poor Rob came back from Las Vegas. He could have moved on to a better show with all his money and everything. And now he's just back dealing with this bullshit. I'm stuck at this. Well, they sold the plantation for obviously an amount of American currency at this point. So now they have that. They probably were smart with the money in that two years and were able to buy it back. Who knows? Maybe the people who bought the plantation weren't good at running a plantation and were like, oh, shit, we're upside down on this thing. How do we get out of it? I don't actually know. We're speculating. Either way, ghost stories, right? <laughs> so basically, her son-in-law, William Drew, who was married to her daughter, Sarah, ended up buying the place back and let Mary move in with them. And they lived there. But one of their daughters, a little three-year-old, who was Kate, she ended up with yellow fever. So this is when they, they, I assume, exhausted all other avenues and nothing worked. So they hired this voodoo priestess to come in and try and cure her with the voodoo spells. It sounds preposterous, but when you try everything else and your little kid is dying, you'll try anything. You will try literally anything. So they tried that. It didn't work. And the irrational part here is that when the daughter inevitably died of yellow fever, the father, William flipped out and hanged Cleo and killed her. So that's like, that's like the, that year's version of a bad Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, again, not documented. So take it with a grain of salt. We don't know if that actually happened, but that's the story. And 
contrary to the earlier story where there's historical evidence that disproves it, there's nothing that actually disproves this. So it could have happened. Either way, Kate ended up dying and her ghost is one of the ghosts that haunt this plantation. Also, her father is one of the ghosts that haunt the plantation because a few years after she died, William was teaching Sunday school class when a guy on a horse rides up and starts calling out William for him to come out. So he does come out and he gets shot by the guy on the horse. And he's like, why did this guy shoot me? That's horrible, horrible thing to do. And he's climbing, he crawls is that, back. Is that's, that what he said? <laughs> that's exactly what he said. And he crawls back into the house and he dies. He's, he climbs the halfway up the stairs and dies in his wife's arms. And he is the ghost that they believe is responsible for the stomping, the disembodied stomps that go up the stairs and stop on that 17th step, which sounds super specific. Yeah. It does. Is that the step that he supposedly died it on? Is, is that yeah. what we're going with there? That's okay. the legend. There are people who say that he actually died and bled out on the front porch and never made it to the steps. Mm. I don't know which is true, but that's what that haunting's tied to. And Kate, the daughter, her haunting is the bed that shakes. And this bed shakes so violently that it actually leaves deep, thick gouges in the wooden floor. So people claim that the bed is shaking and it actually there's actually evidence for it that it's all scratched up underneath. So the house changed hands a few times until we get to the 1970s when the people who turned it into an actual bed and breakfast bought it. And then when they were doing their insurance policy in the 90s, that's where you got the picture from. And I think the house changed hands one more time after that. And now it's owned by whoever it's owned by now. And you can rent it out as a bed and breakfast. They do ghost investigations there. But this house is incredibly haunted. And you can debunk some of the backstories, like the story of Chloe. You can possibly debunk the fact that William crawled his way up the stairs, but you can't debunk that the house is haunted. Now, it's one of these situations where you say you have all these other hauntings. Why do you need to make to make one up? Right. This was like mm -hmm. we had this in Alabama. We had it in um, there was a couple of it happens all the time. They make up this big story and you don't need it because the place is already so haunted. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these legends have been around for at least a long time. Like, it's not like they're just now coming up with a bunch of these stories, kind of like the Queen Mary was doing, like the Queen Mary, like all of a sudden they had these all, all these new ghost stories. So it's like, why? It was awesome. And you already had ghost stories. Why add new ones on top? It seems like from what from what I understand with this one, these ghost stories have been around for a while. Right. Or at least the legends have been around for a while. Right. So even if you even if you debunk the the legend of Chloe, like it doesn't mean that that ghost doesn't exist. There is that ghost, the picture of that ghost with that green turban standing there. And even if they made up a story about Chloe, it doesn't change the fact that they based it on the, a sighting of a ghost. So maybe Chloe didn't exist, but that ghost, there's photographic evidence of it. And there are so many other hauntings at this place. There are the ghosts of the kids that their little hands pull your leg and they pull on your arm and they pull on your hair. Nope. They haunt the dolls, the dolls. Imagine you're in a bed and breakfast and you wake up with a doll next to you. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, that'd be creepy. There's one doll that they have that's mounted up. And I know a lot of these places, they have a lot of creepy dolls. Like the um, the Shanley Hotel was absolutely full of creepy dolls. But this one's got one in particular. And I was watching it in uh, Jake the Vikings video. But they got one and its head's just cocked to the side. And it's just no matter what, no matter what angle you look at this thing, it is absolutely horrifying. And we've seen a lot of scary dolls before, but this one is just like have. the eyes have been like pushed in the back of her skull and the head's just cocked to the side. It's terrifying. It's no crazy. bueno. No me gusta. We have seen so many haunted dolls. They're so always much. in 
they're always in the haunted houses we investigate. People are always bringing them to the paranormal conventions we go to. There was this whole, at the USS Salem, there was this whole display of, there must have been 80 haunted dolls and each one of them had like their own little story attached to it. And like, here's where this one came from and here's the origin story for this one. And it was actually terrifying. Yeah, and, and yeah. none of that is scarier than the night that me and Jesse found the most random doll store oh, God. of all time. Have we told that story? I know I've shared the picture in the Discord, but have we told that story on? on I don't think so. I mean, show? it's not really like a ghost story, but it's a creepy doll story no, for sure. Scary as hell. So if you've never been in the Discord, this is the time to hop in, scroll up, find the picture. Me and Jesse were driving in Connecticut late one night. And we got lost. This is before your phones gave you GPS. Like you had to either have a GPS unit or you just kind of had to know where you're going. And we got a little lost. And as we're rolling up at like midnight, we see this big fluorescent sign and there's this big doll on it. And it just says 2000 dolls with an arrow on it. And we're like, the hell is that? Like, that's all it says is $2,000. Is it like, is there just 2000 dolls on the side of the road somewhere? Is this actually a store? What is this? And we were like, that is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. We have to go see what this, where this sign leads us to. And we pulled up to like this, this really outdated building. And it was, it was a shop for dolls. And obviously it was closed. It was two in the morning, but we looked in the window and there probably was 2000 dolls in this shop. And you just looked around and they're just like stacked everywhere and they're staring back at you. And we kind of skedaddled, turned around and get our asses out of there as soon as we could. It was creepy as hell. Uh, no, Chicago, they were not blow up dolls. Uh, Patrick asks, <laughs> how do you get lost in Connecticut? Patrick, have you been to Connecticut? They don't even have streetlights yet. <laughs> it is the darkest place I've ever been to. It's just trees. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you're not on 95 or 84, you can get lost real quick in Connecticut. But yeah, there. Uh, this place is very haunted. It is very scary. Between the the footsteps, the blood stain that they can't get rid of, and they mm. they'll scrub it clean. It'll go away, and then it will come back, which is weird. Yeah, I don't know how that could possibly be explained away. If it's, I, mean, I know they can like stain the wood, but if it stains the wood permanently, you're not going to be able to wash it out. So it's not like a it goes away and comes back situation. So the the child ghosts that haunt this place, they believe a lot of them just. Aside from the ones that are in the mirror, which is its own creepy story, which I don't think we really touched on that one. You have these the spirits of this family, basically. It was Sarah Woodruff and her two kids that we know probably died from yellow fever. Even if it wasn't the story's not true that they were poisoned, we do know that they did die in the house. So even if you can debunk that legend, like we said, it still doesn't debunk the haunting. So they died in the house. And there is the theory that there's, there's a dozen theories on why ghosts haunt mirrors. But one of them is that people are afraid that a spirit can get trapped inside of a mirror. And if that's true, I think that sounds like what actually could have happened in this situation where they died and the spirits got trapped in this mirror because their faces keep showing up. And it's always a woman with two children. People claim to see it. There are pictures of it. I did see some of them. I didn't include them because they all do look kind of photoshopped, but they, uh, they might not be. It is creepy that these, it's a possibility that these spirits got trapped inside this mirror. Right. I haven't seen the the photos, but I'm not opposed to pulling them up if you have them to address whether or not we think they're photoshopped. But again, like, like we don't want to dismiss anything, but 
also, I mean, these things get faked all the time, so it's uh, completely possible that they could be. But I mean, this is supposed to be one of the most haunted items in the world is this haunted mirror. And so it's up there on the list of cursed possessions. I've actually looked into covering this mirror on a few cursed possessions episode, but I figured we'd probably cover this location eventually anyway. So kind of just left it for the episode, but it is uh yeah, it's one where people frequently see at least the daughter, uh, the, the mother and the, it's the two kids. Right. And then they also see like the phantom handprint, which some of the photos of the handprint kind of look like a claw as well. So it's kind of cool, but it's uh it's up there. It's up there with allegedly some of the most haunted items in the world. The interesting thing is like you would think that she's trapped in the mirror, but they see her outside of the mirror as well. The, the whole being trapped in a mirror for eternity thing sounds terrible. Like it just sounds like a terrible way to spend your afterlife. So if I do come back as a ghost, I would like to not be trapped in a mirror for all of eternity. So I have a, I have a pip. It's not of the mirror, but this is actually of one that I did want to talk about. And it's a screenshot. It's a selfie of a bunch of people that stayed there and took a selfie of themselves. And in the background, there is this picture of, or not a picture, but it looks like the reflection of a woman in the mirror, not the mirror, sorry, in the window looking out. And this looks super Photoshopped. The most Photoshopped photo I've ever seen in my life. Right. But it's a, it's a popular one. And it's like the one, if you, if you Google Myrtle's plantation, ghost picture this is one of the two main ones that pop up but this is one that i was referring to that just looks super photoshopped and i wasn't it also looks like they intentionally made that space between those two heads so that that, they could have that pane of the window included in the shot (laughs) um yeah i don't believe that photo for a a split second and that obviously on stream here it didn't look um you you can see the full photo if you just google it it's uh looks like nonsense to me but maybe not maybe not you never know yeah um i don't think maybe not i think that looks very photoshopped if I were cute. to, yeah, if I were to gamble all of Rob's World Series of Poker money on that being real or fake, <laughs> I would say it's absolutely fake. So, yeah. yep, agreed. But this is important. We like to bring this stuff up on the show because we want to present the stuff that is clearly fake and the stuff that we think might be real. First photo we pulled up, I think, is legitimate. Second photo, absolutely not. So exactly. That's what. You so the, the other haunting, real quick, because this is the last, like the last of the hauntings here, at least that I wanted to cover, is the handprint on the mirror because that's Ooh. a weird one. And it's weird because it keeps coming back. You, they can, you clean the mirror, it comes back. They re-silver the mirror, it comes back. They replaced the glass in the frame and the fucking handprint came back. So it's like, how? That's, that's crazy. Is it always in the same spot? It's always the same print in the same spot. That's actually wild. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So aside from the mirror, there's the ch- children ghosts. And I think the creepiest of the children ghosts is the curly-haired girl that floats outside the window. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Reminds me of the Amityville haunting with the pig. Yeah. Although, I don't know, like, a haunted pig just doesn't... I have a hard time getting... It's so hard. Now all I can think of is that that skit from I Think You Should Leave where he puts the dog door on. (laughs) (laughs) I know it was a pig, but for 45 seconds, I thought it was real. (laughs) Oh, man. There's a lot going on at the Myrtles Plantation. It is a uh, very creepy place. It is a place that I've looked into. I think we've all, it's one of those ones we've all circled and we finally covered it. Um, so that is that is good. Um, I want to thank you, Dave, for jumping in and taking this week over for me. Because yeah, hopefully his house is okay after a motorcycle uh, just drove through his living room. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so 
when I try and record audio, like on a beautiful summer day here, it's like, why am I bothering? Because if that happens every 30 seconds. <laughs> Anyways, uh, no, Myrtle's is a good one. And apparently this is one that's open to paranormal investigations. Like we said, we've seen multiple people do it. It's definitely on the list. It's apparently only two inches from New Orleans. So when we go to New Orleans, we will travel those two inches to go check out Myrtle's plantation. Cause that seems like a spot that I definitely want to hit. And it's been hard to figure out with, we've, backburnered this trip to New Orleans for many reasons, but one of those is like we can't really lock down a spot that we can actually investigate. There's some great ghost tours. It's a great city, but if it is a reasonable drive, then I think we make a day of going to Myrtles. That'd be a lot of fun. We'd love to do an investigation there. That would be fun. Absolutely. Um, speaking of Plymouth, we should get into what we're going to do for our 100th episode. Oh yeah. Chad has been asking about it. And uh, I think we should actually do it. So coming, we leaked the information to Patreon first, and then we leaked the information to Discord. So if you're like, how come everybody knows about this stuff and we don't? It's, you must ask yourself, why are you not in our Discord channel? That's yes, what you must or, ask yourself. You may have missed it. It's free and it's a lot of fun. But what we're doing for our 100th episode, so our 100th episode is going to land somewhere on one of these Tuesdays in October. It's not gonna land on halloween i don't think right we're not gonna who knows halloween does fall on a tuesday this year well it does either way we are celebrating our 100th episode because it's a milestone it's a big deal at the second wind brewery in plymouth right on the waterfront well pretty much right on the waterfront it's right down there nice little nice little brewery and they were nice enough to say hey host your 100th episode party here. We tossed around the idea of doing a live episode from the place, but we thought with the sound contamination, that wouldn't be the best idea. So we will definitely be there and we will definitely be celebrating and we'll probably live stream something from there, but it's going to be a blast. We invite all of you, if you're listening and you're in the area, join us. If you're not in the area and you have the means to fly out to Plymouth to go hang out at a brewery with your favorite podcast, this will be the time, October 20th. It's going to be a lot Friday. of fun. I'm excited about it. I've been tossing around the idea of maybe, depending on the kind of group that we have and what time everyone shows up, maybe we could do a guided ghost tour around Plymouth, guided by us. So that would be fun. So that's a possibility. Haven't confirmed that yet, but it kind of depends on who ends up showing up and, and what time. Liabilities and if the town's going to sue us. And what, what are that. they going to do? We walk around and, and tell people about ghosts. They can't say anything about that. Their Plymouth, they will they will bury us with a rock. You know how they are. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, and you get <laughs> it's close enough to the very exciting Plymouth Rock where we could even stop there and take a look and see if it's moved or grown at all. Yeah. We don't know how these things work. We don't make the rules. Uh, so Matthew the, Thomas said, "I thought the date was a Friday." Allow me to clarify if I just word saladed that, that uh, situation there. So the the episode party, our celebration, is going to be on the fr- Friday the twentieth, but our one hundredth episode will air on whatever to live Tuesday and then air on the podcast Wednesday, whatever day. Dave, Dave, what the hell are you (laughs) doing? Fucking up. All right. The party (laughs) is October 20th. It'll be in Plymouth, Massachusetts. If you can come out, it's going to be great. We'll drop more info on our socials as well as discord. Forget about when episode hundred airs. That's irrelevant. The party is October 20th. It's going to be a great time. We hope you can all make it out there. Don't let whiskey Dave throw you off with all these crazy dates and all that stealing. I was was in the most convoluted passion and the most convoluted passion most convoluted fashion i was trying to articulate <laughs> that the 100th episode that all that and the 100th episode party are not going to be on the same day 
do appreciate it. Anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for more details on that. We're also dropping some special merch. Seth Wilkins, my goodness, drops $1 in Super Chat. That is the uh, the long-lost Wilkins brother, and it's good to have him. Did a lot of the music here on Hometown Ghost Stories. So absolute yeah. legend there. Thank you uh, very much there, Seth. So I think that's basically going to do it for us. Um, Rob did well in Vegas. Thank you to everyone who showed support for Rob out there. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all. No, I just I say I ended up having to wear this hat because Serena and chat told me I had to wear my new hat. How she knew I had a new hat, maybe she's stalking me, but this is my World Series of Poker hat that I bought. But so. thank you to everyone that did send out like words of support and follow followed along with the journey of the World Series of Poker. Finished 138th in the main event out of over 10,000 people was a lifelong dream to play that tournament um and i just want to thank everybody for supporting me and following just following along yeah it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch so well for our patrons we have our vips allison v genie r lisa j mallory k mike oubliette blake mom yeah. and pops w peach smoothie robert h and inspires gaming thank you guys so much for being vips we also have 32 drc adam s ambi rose anna c chris c cody g donnie n elizabeth y lily jake v janice g mar fire matthew t papa squatch rachel b sarah c steph a of the church of the stephanies stitch kitten sydney b the other rachel b al capone al Capone's allegedly poorly taxidermied corn dinosaur. Alicia E. Anthony character limits be damned T. <laughs> <laughs> nice update there, Anthony. <laughs> Ashley M. Brandon W. Brennan B. Captain McSlugs. Kath Q. Hooska. Hooska. Castle. Huggy Bear. Joe R. Kiralee J. Mark M. Mariah M. Nuthouse Queen. Paul from St. Louis. Sam from Nepal. Sarah R. Scotty L. Solar Flare. We have Soph. We have Hooper. And we have Swanee. I thought we got a brand new one today. Which one was that? Let's have a look. Ashley M. Ashley M. I don't know if I mentioned Ashley M, but thank you so much, Ashley. We appreciate it. Three, uh, yeah, as little as three dollars a month, you can join on Patreon. Early access to episodes, ad-free stuff, bonus content. We'll be posting more and more side content. Uh, Donnie says stickers. We'll do stickers next week and bring it back for that. So, thank you guys so much. And uh, one dollar a month, you can join on YouTube, become a member, unlock the emotes. Thank you to everybody who donated today. We got a lot of donations and a lot of gifted uh, memberships as well. So that is so awesome. I think that'll do it, gentlemen. That's it for me. Cool. Peace.